You're listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston. This evening, I'm joined by Carlos Flores and Kenneth L. And we're going to be predicting the Texans' 53-man roster as we continue predicting things for the 2020 NFL season. How are you fellas doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Can one day closer to the start of the season. Doing good. Yeah, I'm excited. I think they're going to play football or try to play football for as long as possible. And I'm uh, I'm optimistic that it should work out fairly well. But maybe I'm just uh, you know too far dipped into the collective unconsciousness and have uh, too much good st- good stuff like I'm si- I'm soaking in right now. Um, but to start off, they made a quick change with the new CBA for the 2020 season, so teams can now have 48 active players instead of 46 active players whenever they have eight offensive linemen dress up. And then they can also expand their roster from 53 to 55 players by calling up practice squad players. And then they can call the practice squad player twice in a season. The third time they do so, they have to rip up his practice squad contract, give him an NFL contract, or he gets to go to waivers. And then another team can sign him. And if he clears waivers, then they can go back and try to renegotiate another practice squad deal. So it's all... It's all very vague. I don't think anybody fully understands it. And even the people that claim they do probably don't really understand it all either. Uh, but for the purpose for tonight's show, we're going to stick with the typical 53 magical number to guess the Texans roster for this upcoming season. And on Saturday morning, I think at like 8 o'clock or so, teams have to start making their cuts and finalize their rosters for the season. Um, so we'll start with offense in the quarterback position. So I have Houston sticking with two quarterbacks this year. And I have A.J. McCarron, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Kenneth, do you have any changes at all to that? So those are the two guys. They uh, The te- Texans already got rid of Alex Magoo. Is it Magoo or Mago? Mago, Magoo? <laughs> I know it was McHugh. McHugh? Well, they made Mago McGon uh, this past week, and he's been cut. I could easily see them putting him on the practice squad. But I was, I was reading something earlier today that a lot of these franchises are actually thinking about keeping that a third quarterback in quarantine. I think it was maybe I was on PMT. I was listening to it. And just in case one of the quarterbacks gets sick and they have to quarantine both of them, that they have like this third reserve quarterback in. And that would be Magoo's favorite, like best, best opportunity, I bet. I can see I can see that. Um, yeah, I wonder, you know how, you, I'm kind of disappointed him that I was hoping he's going to be like six foot eight or something. He's only six foot three. And I think he's from Cal. And I've never heard this guy at all before until I saw him on the roster today. Is he the Jared Goff replacement? I don't, I don't know how I that think so. Works. I Got think it. so. Uh, Carlos, how many quarterbacks do you have? Uh, right now I have two. I've got McCarron and I've got uh, Deshaun Watson. But, I mean, I've always felt that Joe Webb was a better fit as a back quarterback, you know, just because he's got – he can move. He's – a little bit more similar to Deshaun Watson's play style. And, um, you know, just looking at the at the list of current free agent quarterbacks, I mean, it's really going to come down to people who have been in our system before. Um, and I think 
Kenneth had a really good point that teams are going to keep like a like a third quarterback in the back of their mind um, to reach out to in case, you know, something happens or, uh, you know, with the whole COVID thing going on, they, they'll, they'll keep in mind. Uh, but I've always preferred Joe Webb. Yeah, I agree with that too. And it's, it's kind of bizarre to have some of Watson's skill set and then not have like a backup quarterback who's comparable to that same skill set. But Bill O'Brien's going to Bill O'Brien. And I know like, Bill O'Brien wishes he had a chance to play a full season with A.J. McCarron as a starting quarterback because McCarron's like such an ultimate 2015, like intelligent, tall, smart, white, limited arm, bad quarterback who could take Houston to like you know, nine and seven and lose 45 nothing in the first round of the playoffs with potentially. And didn't we uh, just practice with Cody Kessler? I, don't, I heard there was rumors flying about that. I think I know Mike wrote an article that said they claimed Kessler, but I haven't seen anything about him sticking or being released or um, I think they anything all like that. Yeah. Well, I know he has some time with New England, so that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, intelligent and from New England or tall and white and not very good is is the typical Bill O'Brien quarterback. And, you know, praise me for Deshaun Watson for saving everybody. For, and Rick Smith as well, too, for saving all of us from that. Uh, so next here is running back. So I have four running backs. I have David Johnson, Duke Johnson, Buddy Hal, and I'm going to include Colin Gillespie as a running back. Carlos, do you have any changes there at all? So I do have Colin Gillespie making it, but I made a separate category for fullback. I do have Scotty Phillips on the roster. Um, I know we talked about it before, you know, him most likely being a practice squad candidate, but um, I do have him included on here as the fourth running back. Okay. What about you, Kenneth? How many running backs do you got? I, I loved Scotty Phillips. He did a great job in that unique offensive running scheme at Ole Miss. Uh, very downhill, very one cut, which which fits the system. And he looks exactly like Demaria Crockett, who's another undrafted rookie free agent we brought in last year. So I have a similar group, except I am all in on Karan Higdon. For some reason, uh, the running back out of Michigan that we was an undrafted rookie last year. Uh, has been someone I've watched and has really enjoyed his film. Uh, he's really great uh, between the tackles and is getting better through some of the film I've seen at, at catching, but I think he'd be a really good complimentary back and actually can carry the football in, in the case that David Johnson or Duke Johnson go down. Uh, Buddy Howell is a perfect special teams fit, and I know Bill O'Brien has spoken a lot of praise about him, but I think they have to switch it up and bring in some new blood. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Phillips is going to be a practice squad guy. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I hopefully they don't carry, like, five running backs or something because it just kind of lends itself being to, you know, Houston's going to run the ball and first down a lot and run the ball 35 times a game, which kind of negates this idea of, like, a, a vertical offense that can, you know, run a postmodern offense that, you know, teams like the Chiefs, uh, you know, tend to run it. That's what the model is here. But I can see where you guys are coming from. I don't know. And like, I mean, all these running backs and stuff on like the fringe of the roster, they always seem like guys everybody gets really excited about kind of because we have Arian Foster in our DNA, but uh, they usually never do anything at all whatsoever. Um, so it'd be, I like Sky Phillips article from that, or I like Sky Phillips from the article Texans Thoughts wrote um, earlier this year. And like, he's intriguing, but you know, usually those guys who get drafted just don't do very much, you know, especially for the Texans who, you know, the Bill O'Brien era, they haven't had any sort of undrafted free agent running back, you know, make an impact at all on this team in the in the six years he's been the head coach. 
Yeah, and I know that Tyler Irvin, that was one of my favorite guys. He uh, he was drafted fourth, fifth round, uh, I think, called three, four years ago. And I really enjoyed his film. I thought he was going to be a great person for this team and never really found his footing. I think he's on the Packers as well. But, uh, yeah, running backs in this roster, he's just looking for veteran talent that he can just plug and play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked Irvin, too, and I liked his like ability between the tackles, you know? Like he had some good games as actual running back and never used him like that. They used him mainly as like a receiver and a kick returner. And, you know, he always caught the ball at this face. And, uh, you know, I think we called him Tyler Scissorhands for you know, like two years or so while he was there. But yeah, I, I know he played for Green Bay last year. He's like, hey, I know that guy. I know who he is. Uh, yeah, I think I saw him returning kicks in the, in the playoffs. I was like, oh, it's my man. Yeah, it's kind of like going to a grocery store and seeing somebody from high school whenever you see Tyler Irvin playing in a playoff game, you know. So at wide receiver, I have Wolf Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, DeAndre Carter, Isaiah Coulter. Um, Kenneth, do you have any anything different all there? I have the same, and that means that Kiki, do you love me, Kuti is not on the roster, correct? Yeah, I don't have him here. I think so the only I, I think the only chance he has to be on the roster is that they're able to like IR stash him, which if like I don't even think Cutie's really hurt at all. I think he's just they're keeping him out of practice to try to trade him and keep him healthy to try to trade him. But I don't think they're gonna gain anything all for him. And uh, I'd expect him for, for him to be released. And I don't I couldn't see him accepting like an IR spot, you know. Yeah. So the rumor is that it's a foot fracture, which kind of goes along the lines of lower leg injuries that he's had throughout his career, but. Yeah, I don't see him on the roster. I, I would love to have him on this team. And the second that we brought in Randall Cobb, it really made it. It was just a blanket statement that Kuti is on his way out. Um, I can see the Texans trading stills. Um, I, I think that his receiving talents are shown in other receivers. He doesn't do anything different that Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, or Will Fuller do. So I could even see them trading stills and taking a flyer on Kuti. Uh, but everything else looks pretty similar. And then there are some guys here that I can see on the practice squad, like Tyler Simmons and Isaac Whitney. But other other than that, it's really kind of cut and paste here. Yeah, I felt the same way too whenever they made the Cobb trade that or the Cooks trade that maybe they're going to trade Will Fuller. And it felt like a trade before a trade or they would trade, um, you know, or they would trade Kenny Stills. But that was also during free agency was going on. And they didn't add any other wide receivers. But I think like, Cooks and Fuller are insurance for one another. And just because Watson, whenever Fuller played full games, you know, they averaged, I think, 10 more points a game. And I think their DVA was like up 25% with Fuller on the field when he played more than 20 snaps. And so I look at them as like insurance policies between each other. And I look at Kenny Stills as like an insurance policy for Fuller, Cooks, and Cobb. Because like, you know, Cobb has had back injuries and he's like in his, you know, early 30s right now. Um, Cooks had his fifth concussion and everybody knows Fuller's only played. I think he's missed 22 possible games out of the 64 he could play in his career. And that's also not even including the games that he came out of. So after all that and thinking about a little bit more, I can't see them trading Stills. I think Stills will be here for sure. So, Carlos, do you have the that same group of wide receivers on your end? I actually do. I, uh, I still have Cooks, Fuller, Stills, uh, DeAndre Carter, and Coulter. Um, I really do see Kiki Kuti not being on this roster. I don't know that they try to trade Kenny Stills. I feel like, you know, he's probably the most consistently healthy out of the bunch, and he's also Mm -hmm. been in the system just a little bit longer 
than uh, some of the new adi- uh, additions. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be valuable to Bill O'Brien, especially when he mentions that it's kind of a veteran's year this year. It's going to be really tough for rookies and people trying to come in and learn the system. Um, so I do see still sticking around, but I think Kiki, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they'll try and find a trade partner, but at the end of the day, I think if they don't, they'll still just wash their hands of them and let them try to make a spot somewhere else. Yeah. Which is a shame. Cause it's like, they benched him for DeAndre Carter last year. And it's kind of like, I understand he, he makes some mental mistakes and whatever, but as a coach, you feel like you should be able to coach up your talent, get the better player out there. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think QD too, like, I don't know. It's been kind of frustrating to see like his athleticism and like all the potential be there in those breakout games where he just caught drag routes and ran forever um, against the Colts, you know, multiple times in 18. And so it is frustrating for him to like you know, be, have it be his third year in the league, see all those flashes and then, you know, see him go somewhere else. And so if he, if he doesn't last in Houston, hopefully he goes to a team that will, you know, runs kind of more of a spread offense where he can find more of a role there and, uh, and have a good career because it, it I do like, I like, even whenever they draft him in tech, like his video is great and uh, and the flashes are there and I hope it works out for him, you know. Matt, who do you think is the number one receiver, like the token X receiver in this group? I guess I mean I think Fuller's better than Cooks is right now, but I I think it's, I don't I don't think they have one though. You know what I mean? Like I don't think they have a receiver who can do what DeAndre Hopkins did last year and is that like prototype number one wide receiver who can carry an offense all on their own. Like, I think what Cooks and Fuller will do and how they're going to get their first downs is they're going to run, like, a lot of, like, deep curls and a lot of deep outs. And then Randall, and then they're going to be so, like, by, like, having plus splits, the safeties are going to be, you know, spread out to cover the, to help out with the deep stuff. And they're going to be, like, out in the hash marks and beyond that. And the whole idea is they'll open up the middle for, you know, whoever the, the tight end is on that snap and uh, also for Randall Cobb, too, and Kenny Stills at those points. So I think, I don't think they really have a number one receiver at all. Um, based off how this group is, but I think like they have a high variance offense and the Cooks and Fuller high variance, where one week one guy will have 175 yards and two touchdowns, and the other guy will have like 40, you know, 40 yards. And I think they'll kind of flip flop all over the place, and there won't be like a lot of consistency from the skill player position. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be more of like a matchup oriented offense where we're not really relying on one person to make all the plays, but more of a, a situational thing. And I think you also see that with the tight ends. Well, I know we're speaking to them in a second, but each player looks like they have they serve a specific role. I mean, all of them can go deep and are fast. But what about you, Carlos? Do you think like there's like a number one guy on this team or if it's more of like a, a hodgepodge? I think it's uh, I, I don't think there's a clear cut number one anymore i don't think brandon cooks just walked in here and you know took that title i think it's kind of like a red rover offense where any game you walk in you have no idea who's going to be the uh priority in that game i think they're going to have to try and scheme against everybody all at once um so i think that's kind of the their their mo is to not have a number one to have them have opposing defenses try to treat them like everybody's a number one when in reality they may not be. But uh, I don't think that we have a clear cut number one receiver on the squad right now. Yeah. And another thing to look at too, if you just look at first down receptions last year, Hopkins was thrown the league. I think he was like two behind Julio Jones. And then he was like, you know, 14 or 16 behind Michael Thomas. And the Texans don't have that consistent first down receiver at all anymore. 
And so I think they're just going to try to you know spread out those those first down receptions just all throughout the offense instead of you know relying on him to be the best sideline receiver and short receiver and short middle receiver and slot receiver and deep middle receiver and having him be the best at everything is the idea here. But I do think it's going to be hilarious like how quickly everybody realizes how important he was and also just like how much he opened up offense for everybody else last year or like he run a deep dig and you see the safety hammer on that. And now Will Fuller is a one-on-one matchup over the top. And I don't think they're going to see this. They don't think the second receiver is going to see those same um, easy matchups that they had last year, even if it is, you know, Cooks and Fuller on the outside. So for, for tight ends here, I have Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, uh, Chad Waring, and Jordan Thomas. So I have, I have all four sticking on the team. So I know, Kenneth, you mentioned that you don't think Waring's going to be on the roster. Uh, give me your tight ends and, and make the case for no Kahali. I have this will be uh, when I make the my final rosterology article this week. This may be the first time I have Kahali wearing on a on a roster. Um, just looking at it, the I have twenty five players on offense, twenty five players on defense, and I basically flipped the coin bet- between Kahali wearing and Tyrell Adams. Adams is an inside linebacker that played a good amount last year when we started losing Dylan Cole and some of the other guys and when Bernard McKinney was out. Uh, but I think that they enjoy Kahale wearing enough and don't want to see him go to the waiver wire because he'll be someone will take a shot on him and snatch him up. So I do think that they're going to go four tight ends. I don't know what they're going to do with four tight ends, but I think that's kind of going to be part of the magic of week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I know you mentioned that you you didn't see him on the roster last year, and uh, and like he you know hung off hung around like as the IR stash sort of spot. So I really hope he makes the team just because he's beautiful, has a, a wonderful stomach. Uh, I really liked his college video and his ability to you know block double teams and and run those deep posts and stretch the seam. And I think that's one of the kind of the holes on this team last year was at the time position. It was like drags and, you know, crossing routes, but nobody really stretched the seam at all. And a lot of Jordan Aiken's big plays were, you know, from breakdowns where he would come back to the ball and Deshaun Watson would find him after doing something miraculous. And I do think with Warring, you know, playing, he has the potential to actually be a, a wide receiver who can, stretch, can hit the seam. And that's valuable in offense with the speed that Fuller and Cooks have on the outside, where when I get when the safeties get spread out, try and cover the deep sideline routes, that will leave the entire middle of the field open. I think that's where, you know, Kahali can have a big year if he's actually able to get on the field this season. So, Carlos, who's who's your tight end group that you got? So I'm actually going to call an audible right here um, because I told you beforehand that I had done a count and noticed that I went 52 instead of 53, so I had this mystery spot. Um, I'm going to use it here. Uh, so I'm adding Waring back into the mix. I initially just kind of discounted as, you know, oh, he's a relative unknown. Um, we haven't really seen much of him. But it made me think of, um, they have Dylan Stapleton on the roster right now. And not too long ago, Bill O'Brien talked about how he enjoyed Stapleton and how he pays attention in meetings and blah, 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 you know, praised him. And it was almost like a little dig at somebody else in the tight end room. <laughs> the only one that could make sense to me that zones out in Zoom meetings would be Chad. And uh, regardless, I think the athletic ability does warrant him keeping a spot on this roster. I think maybe they'll actually try putting him some packages in-game. 
Um, so we might actually get to see some game tape of him uh, in live action. Uh, so I'll go and I'll add him back in here. Initially, I had him out, but I think with Fells, Akins, Thomas, it's already a really solid group. I was okay with sticking with those three, but uh, you know, for the extra extra spot, I'll give it to I'll give it to Waring. He's he's fun to talk about. Yeah, I I really hope so too. And I'm just so tired of like this uh, this age of the Pisces. You know, tough, smart, dependable. You know, ideology, um, this cult of like being as boring as possible. They've created you know, in Houston and like Warren. I think offers some sort of like you know, upside and excitement that they currently don't have. Because like I'm ex- I'm fully expecting Darren Fells, you know, in his like seven touchdowns to regress. That was the most touchdowns he's ever had. And like this is his age 33 season. And he also he led the NFL in blown blocks last year at the tight end position. He's not a good blocker at all either. Um, I don't. And Aikens and Jordan Thomas aren't very good blockers either. But like they have the frame, and they are, they're at least young enough where they can learn. And like I know Akins is like 29 already because he played minor league baseball. Um, but like I'd rather go with a younger guy who has the athletic ability, and like could, you could teach to block rather than you know this guy who is one of the worst blockers at this position and is just good at being big in the end zone and you know posting guys out and running the stupid you know zone redrag. So I'm hoping they go with more youth and and upside and potential here. Than sticking with Fells, but yeah, we know the Houston Texans and Fells will probably be the predominant tight end this year. And we had a so question bad. from from at your mom, Y U R R M A L M, and he asked, "Will Warren be a stash or actually make the 53?" And um, we all agree here that we assume Warren will actually make the 53 man roster this year. So Matt, I have a question. Let's say, as we all agree, Kahali Waring does make the roster. However, they only keep three tight ends. Which of the Jordan twins and Darren Fells gets cut? I would say probably Thomas, just because I think he's similar to Aikens, but isn't as good as Aikens. And like, even though he's bigger and stronger, he still wasn't a very good blocker in 2018. And, uh, and the fact that he was injured all last year, too. Carlos, what do you think? I love the Jordan twins, but I, I still got to go with Thomas. I, I, I think of the three, he's probably the weakest link in Bill O'Brien's eyes, so he'd be okay with just dropping him i i also agree that thomas is going to take the l here darren fits such a scheme fit for the offense in third down situations and akins is an entire toolbox he can play fullback he can play tight end they'll split them out so uh that one year and several injuries for for thomas is really putting him on the 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 outs if you know wearing really makes uh some strides this offseason yeah, and it bums me out too because Thomas is 6'5, 280. Like, you know, he's enormous and he should be able to be that, you know, kind of big, like, hulking, blocking tight end who can seat bound, play action. And, like, he has good speed as well, too. I think he won, I think, if I remember correctly, he ran one of the better 40s in the combine that year he was drafted to. Um, I would, I would hope it'd be Fells. Again, I'm not a big Fells fan uh, for the reasons I mentioned. And, like, I understand the time position takes a few years to learn, but this is year three for the Jordan twins. And that's usually whenever, tight ends tend to get it in the NFL and I know Warring didn't play it all last year but like he has great potential you know like even going back to San Diego stuff he made like again like his post routes his seam routes and his ability to actually like run block vertically and double teams was were all impressive you know so the next position we have here is offensive tackle I have Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, Roderick Jan- Johnson and Charlie Heck. Carlos what's your offensive tackle group? So with tackle, I've got, let me scroll over there real quick. I've got, obviously, Tunsil, Howard, 
And like I said before, I have Charlie Heck and I have uh, Brent Caval. So not the best, you know, backups that we could possibly have. I think possibly they'll take a flyer on somebody else um, midseason, depending on who drops, who gets cut from camp um, and other squads. Um, and also looking at the free agents, I mean, there's just it's really slim pickings. Greg Robinson, I mean, he just got arrested like what a couple months ago for like a <laughs> hundred and some pounds of, of weed. So we much. won't see him anytime soon. <laughs> and um, I mean, we could always go and get Chris Clark again, and uh, you know, get the band back together. But uh, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be Caval and Heck backing up the the big two. Interesting. Yeah, I know the Jets fans actually hate Caval, and they're like, "Yeah, he's the worst player we had. He's enormous and he's bad and stupid." And they hated him last year. And the Jets had like you know zero, had the worst offensive line in football last season. So I've never watched Caval actually play, but that's what I read about him after they signed him that year. Right. Sounds like a perfect Texan. It uh, sounds like a perfect Mike Devlin guy. But like, yeah, I know this guy. He's big. We knew something with him, and he'll never do anything with him. Like an old shed in the backyard, you know. So about you, Kenneth, who are your offensive linemen? Your offensive I, tackles, I mean. So I have a different four. Um, I have, you know, it's so funny. Two years ago, I would say, we, ah, wow, this offensive line is terrible. And, you know, now we have the Laramie Tunzel at our first round pick, Titus Howard. I'm still like, is this group that even, even that good? Like, I know we've done a lot to get here, but I don't feel very accomplished. It's kind of like when your your parents like take you to an SAT, SAT tutor, like they kind of are giving you a paved road, but you don't feel like you've done anything. So I have those two. We have Charlie Heck, which I know I've said disparaging comments to him in the past, and I, I'm just worried about him and his future. And then my fourth guy is Roderick Johnson, who I have really enjoyed watching. Uh, he always plays right tackle, and I think he does a really good job of run blocking. He cannot, cannot pass block. But uh, I think those are our four. Um, I've heard good things about Gerald Hawkins, but uh, they really need to start building. Now that we have two significant starters, and start building that depth, kind of bringing that next group in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, Robert was like, like an, he could actually block the second level, and the Texans didn't have any offensive line that could do that very well last year. But uh, like you mentioned, like his pass blocking is pretty bad there. And I, I do think one thing that's important too about the backup tackle position and even in the backup guard and center position is like the Texans offensive line was, you know, pretty good last year when all five guys were playing. They did have issues, you know, blocking the second level and picking up blitzes and like to me free rushers. But like one versus one matchups, they typically played pretty well. But the issue in the NFL, of course, is that you're going to have injuries and very rarely does a team have all 16, you know, have all five players uh, start 16 games for the course of the season. And so it is like, I think if something happened at Tensel or Howard, like it would create an enormous ripple effect in the offense, kind of like it did last year. And uh, and maybe even if something happened in one of the guard positions too, they would kind of struggle based off who their backups are right now. Yeah, if a tackle went out, I believe Max Sharping would be the next person to step up. And then they'd move Senio Calamente, if, you know, if he even makes the team. Uh, but I, I can't see them putting Charlie Heck in the NFL starting lineup at this moment. Yeah, and well, I see, I didn't like Heck either. And then I was watching because we watched his left tackle video from 2019, and I was told on the internet to check out right tackle, 
an 18. I did that and it was a lot better. Like I think he's like a, a completely fine, like college right tackle, an awful atrocious college left tackle. And, uh, and so maybe they're trying to like teach him how to play right in case something happens. And they just assume like if something happens to Tensel, everything's going to fall apart. Um, but so I couldn't see heck playing left tackle this year and maybe he can get some spot. Maybe he would play at right instead of sharping, but who knows, you know? So at the guard position, I have Zach Fulton, Max Sharping, and Sunil Calamante, all-time favorite. We haven't we saw him in the New Orleans game, and then didn't see him for the rest of the year last season. Uh, who do you have, Carlos? Sorry, a guard. Yes, a guard. A guard. I've got Zach Fulton, Max Sharping, and I've got Sunil Calamante right now. Yeah. Who do you have, Kenneth? Yeah, that's exactly the lineup. I think the the offensive line is pretty pretty straightforward, uh, which is definitely a good thing for the first time in a while. Definitely a refreshing to see the same faces instead of just closing your eyes and they're all in different places. Yeah, and, I mean, like Kelmente was, com- I don't know, he was completely fine. You know, like he's not some like he's better as a as a backup guard um, than someone you went playing you know, consistently. But I do think like Fulton's completely average. He's worse than he was in Kansas City. And Sharping had better rookie year than Tyus Howard did. He just has to like get stronger to play guard in the NFL and hopefully spend all year like just injecting muscle milk and uh, and deadlifting for six hours a day to be able to make that happen. And if he does that, like he has the potential of being uh, you know a very good player in the league. So at center, I have Nick Martin and I have Greg Mangson. Mangson also played guard as well too. Um, do you guys have the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't even think they have a third center on the roster. Yeah, I don't think so either. I guess John Weeks should probably play if they need him to. All hundred, you know, all two hundred fifteen pounds of him, you know. Yeah, he's been in the league. With, I believe this is his eleventh year. It's nuts. <laughs> I saw they brought in competition for him too, which I thought was kind of rude. Yeah, like, what's the point of having two long snappers on? Like, unless he gets hurt, but, like, what, like what's the purpose? And... They yeah, it's weird. Shane Leckler, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's weird, too, because they have all their kickers paid. Well, they paid Brian Inger. They paid War. I mean, they paid uh, Fairbairn as well. So it's like, I guess if you want to have two snappers, you can get guys kicking a bunch in a competition, but I, it never really isn't the case at all right now. So maybe it's some sort of, like, special teams coach, you know, secret unlock to get more workout practice by having multiple long snappers on the roster in the summertime. So uh, on defense, starting off at the defensive tackle spot, and this is, I'm guessing they're going to play a 3-4, and uh, and every, like, and the, the front seven, like, if you call somebody defensive in or outside linebacker, or even a defensive tackle or a defensive in, I think it's all really interchangeable. But, like, sticking with the kind of idea of a 3-4 base defense. Yeah, defensive tackle, I have Ross Blacklock, Brandon Dunn, Angelo Blackson and these position spots are just based off of the Texans website for their roster that they have set up there. Even though Brandon Dunn and Blackson typically played defensive in last season. Um, Kenneth, who are, who do you have a defensive tackle? So I've got four. I have Ross Blacklock, Brandon Dunn, Angelo Blackson. So the core three, and then the big risk that they've been working on is PJ Hall, uh, the Sam Houston state product who was drafted in the second round by Oakland uh, in 2018 He's been on the sidelines trying to stop being chubby. Um, he's one of the guys that they have taken a unique stance on, and I've been working him out, trying to get him back into shape, because the the backstory on him is Oakland tried to trade him to the Vikings, 
However, he failed his physical, and that trade then blew up. So now the, the Texans have him, and I can see him on the team. Um, the, they just released Albert Huggins, who I believe they, they call him Huggy in interviews. So the, the road has been paved for him. And this group looks so much different. You know, no Christian Covington, no DJ Reader. It, this group has definitely seen a lot of turnover, and I don't think in a good way. I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, Covington's playing in Denver this year, and so that kind of surprised me. And I, Covington is never very good here at all. Uh, I just think it's kind of weird, too, because, like, at defensive tackle, they don't have that typical nose tackle based off this roster. You know what I mean? And so it's like Ross Blacklock weighs 290. He's not going to play nose tackle. So I'm guessing Brain Dunn's probably going to play nose tackle. And Poe played there a lot last year because Reader played a lot of defensive end, and you know, Poe was awful at it. And even though I don't think nose tackle matters all that much with Cunningham McKinney at inside linebacker. Um, Carlos, who do you have at defensive tackle? I have Ross Blacklock and I have PJ Hall, um, as well as Angelo Blackson, but I had him listed at defensive end instead. Uh, <clears throat> I do think PJ Hall's def, uh, I do feel that PJ Hall is going to make this roster. Um, he did pretty well in the scrimmage from what I remember vaguely. I believe he might have had a fumble recovery. Uh, and the forced fumble. Um, I think the Vikings situation with that failed physical was really concerning initially when I wrote about it. Uh, but, you know, it seems like he's done well enough in camp. And I think uh, I think Bill O'Brien might like taking a W on some of the flyers that he takes. So I think PJ Hall is a really solid chance at sticking around. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I've never watched him play, so I don't really know much at all about him. But uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to know him very well if he makes the roster this season, too. And I, I don't know. I just I think nose tackle is just kind of a weird spot for this team and where they'll, uh, where they'll try to replace DJ Reader, which I don't think they even have. I think they just kind of decide, like, we're not going to be able to do it, and uh, we'll figure out something, and we're just going to hope McKinney and Cunningham are great enough to make up for the, the bad run defense we're going to get at the, over the center this year. So defensive end, I have J.J. Watt, Carlos Watkins, Charles Omanehu, and Jonathan Greenard. Um, what about you, Carlos? Who do you have at the defensive end spot? I have J.J. Watt, Omanehu, uh, Watkins. I did end up listing Greenard out at uh, outside linebacker, though. I mean, there's probably a pretty good chance that he moves in, but I stuck him in that category instead. Um, I do have all of those guys making the roster, though. I think Watkins is has uh, made a strong case for himself to stick around. Um, Omanihu as well. Uh, you know, people love him. And uh, Greenard, I mean, just flat out because he was our third-round pick, he's definitely going to be sticking around. But I do like his chances of getting some really solid playing time this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, you know, I, all of this, the, the roster spots I went off here is just based off the Texans' website. I agree that he would be a an outside linebacker too. Uh, Kenneth, who do, what do you have at defensive end? This group is so interesting, and I, I think this is an overrated group. And JJ Watt, I am concerned to see where he's going to play. Uh, they started making moves that will further and further push him inside, and you know I think that may be more of a natural transition as he's not you know not this dominant pass rusher anymore, and can more be just a, a run stopping threat. Uh, so I, I do have all four, J.J. Watt, Charles Amenahieu, Jonathan Grenard, and Carlos Watkins. Uh, Watkins has definitely been someone that I've kept an eye on, has have been unimpressed by. He really has never made a splash, and whenever he has, it looks like it's you know, Whitney Merciless kind of pushing the quarterback into his lap or someone else making a play, and he kind of cleans it up. So 
he's one of the guys that if he can make a step this next year, that the entire offense would be elevated or defense would be elevated by it. Um, I've heard rumors that Grenard has an injury and not really certain how healthy he'll be for the start of the season. Hmm, interesting. Ooh. Yeah, well, I, well, the two splash plays I can think with Watkins was against uh, the Colts whenever he didn't get on the field in time, ran on the sideline late, Houston played with 10 players, and then smashed Jonathan Taylor like right whenever he got the ball just because he was unblocked running off the sideline, sprinting in. <laughs> and then he had that like 13-second sack against... Jacksonville London's full too. Yeah. Uh, I don't I mean I don't, I don't think he's a very good player though. And they about Watt though last year is like he didn't really stop the run at all. Like he like he just whenever guys pulled at him, he kinda he kinda bent out of the way. He didn't want to get hit in the run game. If he had double teams, he would just drop down to a knee and kind of let guys pass over him. Um and he would just kinda, kinda exist a purely rush the passer. And so I'm really hoping Watt doesn't even play on first down at all, or unless they're up big and you know teams are gonna be throwing those situations or depending on the matchup. I hope they just like have a bathtub on the sideline, just fill with milk, and just have them soak out, soak in until it's pass rushing downs. Just because they have to get as much as they can possible from him to be able to even have like a below average pass defense this year. And uh, and so we'll see. I don't know, uh, Carlos. How many games do you think Watt plays this year? Who? I don't think he plays all sixteen. I think we'll see double digits. If I'm gonna put a number on it, I think I'll go with. 11 games i think we'll see some intermittent injuries you know keep them out one here one there but still missing five games is uh is a lot of time without jj and we're gonna feel it mm-hmm. yeah i had him at 12 about you kenneth i actually was thinking the exact same numbers 11 12 um i can see him taking like a one month off and then maybe missing a game here or there for something thing up um it's so it's so disappointing but you know, he's critical to this defense. He, he's the linchpin that keeps it all working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I think about Watt, too. Like, his first five years in the league, he played every snap. And he was playing, like, a 1,000 snaps a season. And it's all, it really kind of feels like it all kind of caught up to him, um, you know, four years ago, even. And the last four years, he's played one full season. And that was in 18. That was whenever Jadavion Clowney was, like, you know, at the peak, at, like, his best season in Houston when he was just dive-bobbing in the interior and, um, you know, being hell incarnate. Now, I have a question for you, Carlos. Whenever Houston plays dime or nickel and they're getting their four best pass rushers out there, uh, who do you think, what do you think their defensive line is going to look like in their dime and nickel formations? Uh, let's see. I think it's going to be Watt. I think we'll see. I think we'll see. Mm, oof. I know we'll see Merck on the outside, and I think. And we'll get around to this a little bit later, but I think we'll probably end up seeing uh, Martin or Grenard on the other side. Um, I think the other spot's going to go to. I might give it to 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 Omenihu. Yeah, that's what I have. I have Wide, Omenihu, Merciless, and uh, and Jacob Martin. Ah, uh, okay. And I think Blacklock will come in and be used on stunts, but he didn't really show the ability to win a lot of one versus one pass rushing mashups um, at TCU last year as well, too. What about you, Ken? What do you think the Houston's base pass rush will be? So I actually think that they'll have Blacklock in there just to occupy as many bodies as possible. You know, have him hit the the guard and center and, and really occupy those two. Uh, other than that, then it would be JJ Watt, 
and Charles Menahue on the left side, and then Jacob Martin swinging on the outside. Um, I'm kind of sick and tired of, of Whitney Merciless in some of these aspects. Uh, I, I mean, he did lead lead the team in uh, in sacks, which is not, you know, <laughs> that doesn't get me going. Um, and I think Jacob Martin really, we saw so much of him come out in the last couple weeks of the season. So I can see him starting from where he picked up off last year. The the defense really being uh, uh, benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and the idea also too, like based on thing Weaver says, they want to rush five and get after the quarterback, and he's saying all the things archetypical uh, defensive coordinators say. And then all of a sudden, it's like you know, third and twelve, and you have Lonnie Johnson, Vernon Hargreaves, Bradley Roby, and Gary Conley out there, you know, trying to cover uh, uh, Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill all at once, and the ball's out in like a second half, and I think that could change pretty quickly too. Um, so outside linebacker, I have Whitney Merciless, Jacob Martin, Brandon Scarlett, and Peter Kalambai. Um I think with with this group here, I think like you mentioned Martin, I could see him playing you know more base at outside linebacker. And like I know he got up to you know two hundred you know fifty five pounds or so this year in the off season, but still like he was bad in coverage last year. He was bad in the run game. And uh, whenever offensive tackles get their hands on him, like he can't do anything really at all. So I think in base defenses, you'll see Merciless and Scarlett on the outside, and Martin will predominantly be used on uh, in pass rushing situations. Who do you have on your roster at the outside linebacker position, Kenneth? So I've got the same three: uh, Jacob Martin, Whitney Merciless, and then Brandon Scarlett. They really have enjoyed Brandon Scarlett, but I-, I can see Jonathan Grenard taking over that position moving forward. Uh, this would be Bren- uh, Brandon Scarlett's last season uh, in that case. Uh, Jacob Martin, yeah, I just spoke to him, but I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table this year. And Whitney, Whitney just if his consistency has been so helpful for this team, and I would like to see him be able to rush from the inside, which they have put him at a lot, especially in the early part of the season. Uh, he definitely had some success against Jacksonville, rushing from that interior spot as a stand-up. Uh, but yeah, this group look, looks pretty locked down. Uh, the only one that I like that isn't on this roster is Davin Bellamy. He's played a couple uh, times for the Texans, and he, you know, he's seen here or there and sometimes on special teams, but you know, this is a pretty pretty good group to run with. Mm-hmm. What about you, Carlos? So I have Merciless, Martin, Scarlet, and I also have Colum- uh, Columbine. Um, I am really intrigued by Jacob Martin. Now, me and Jordan, uh, Texans thoughts, we, I mean, it's a running joke between us that he's the GOAT. Uh, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be much more improved uh, coming into the season. I don't know if, you know, he'll be Pro Bowl good, but I think he'll uh, earn a spot in the rotation. I think he's, you know, I think he'll be solid. He does have a lot of speed, but, you know, I know he may not be the strongest dude in the world, but that can be worked on in the weight room. Um, I do feel that Scarlett may end up losing his position to, Maybe Greenard or Martin, uh, but I do feel that Jacob Martin's going to be a a uh, a standout name this year when we talk about maybe some of the more improved players at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I mean I, I don't really want to see Scarlett out there in base downs like he's as replacement level as it gets. And I do think Greener could replace him in the base defense right away if he is healthy. You know, based on what Kenneth said. And uh, and they'd be better off just because again, like you have potential and development and already with his skill set is like he's really similar to Merciless too. 
I know Merciless had seven and a half sacks last year. Um, all of them came without with JJ Watt in the field, with like DJ Reader pushing the pocket. And that game against Jacksonville, he went up against Will Richardson Jr. a lot. Uh, their backup left tackle. And he had like a really great spin move that game. And he had another sack where Reader pushed, you know, Gardner Minshew into him and was able to force a fumble. But with him, it's like he has to have an interior pass rush for him to be any good. And then his other two sacks against Tampa Bay, they were just like chasing down Jameis Winston when he couldn't find anybody open. But they weren't actually like typical sacks. Um, I'm really interested in Martin this year. I just look at him as like 102 miles per hour fastball, where like it's hard for tackles to go you know, from blocking, you know, Brandon Scarlett and then be like, oh, now I have to deal with something entirely different. And I think he really kind of catches guys off guard. And like he doesn't really have an answer whenever his speed move is stopped, you know. And so I don't know if he what he's done this offseason as far as just like having, you know, a spin move inside or a long arm inside or any way to be able to get to the inside shoulder after he sets up those tackles getting wide whenever they have him out there. But as of right now, just like he just gets locked down whenever um, they get his hands on him. But it's gonna be very interesting to see what he looks like, you know, and right whenever the season starts after the weight he gained and the potential and flashes he showed last year too. Do you think he'll have more production this year than Jadavion Clowney? I think he could have more sacks, but he won't have like the quarterback hits, hurry numbers that Clowney will have. Even if Clowney isn't on a roster? I mean, Clowney's going to sign. He just, Clowney doesn't do training camp anymore because he, yeah. he got hurt that one year. He's like, yeah, no, training camp's, uh, you know, crap. I'm not doing this at all. I'm already in shape. I don't need to deal with this. Imagine how great Bill O'Brien would look if Jacob Martin has a better statistical year than Jadavion Clowney. It, w- it would just put us, we would all have to stop riding. Like we would all be, we'd all have to commit rider suicide. Yeah, take the, drink the Kool-Aid all together. But I think the thing about that though, it's like it definitely made Houston worse last season and limited their defense. And so you see J.J. Watt against Kansas City lined up over the center trying to do what Clowney did because they couldn't create any pass rush pressure. So if you're like banging on the idea that Watson's on a rookie contract, we have a, a window and a chance to win a title and we're pushing more out talent for somebody who may work out. Uh, it's a bad trade regardless of what happens this year or even in the future too from that sense of it. And I almost thought it was a good trade under Barcavius Mingo blocked that punt. And then uh, <laughs> they proceeded to give up 41 straight points, though, too. But it'll be fun to watch Martin this year, at least. And uh, I don't know what Clowney's doing. I, I last thing I read was that he was rumored to sign with Baltimore. And I still really hope he signs with Tennessee just because of the, it'd be the most fun place for him to sign to. Yeah, I could see him hooking back up with, uh, oh, my gosh, who's the um, great uh, Rabel over there. But yeah, you know, he could go anywhere. He's just kind of like a a soldier of fortune. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of him as a mercenary. Yeah, that was just word. a hired hand, just circling the league and trying to find good spots for that fit for him. Uh, yeah, and every single like, with Je- every single client sack where like he misses the quarterback just breaks my heart. I've never seen somebody get as close to being like box score good as he is without actually having it and. That's what the the nerds and, and losers like to point to whenever they besmirch Clowney's greatness. So at inside linebacker, I have Zach Cunningham, McKinney, and Dylan Cole. And one of the reasons why I did put Callum Bay at outside linebacker is because he has played inside as well, too. So if something happens to Cunningham or McKinney, you know, Cole can come in on pass downs and Callum Bay can play the other spot as well. Um, Carlos, who do you have at inside linebacker? I also have Cunningham, McKinney, and Cole. Um... Like you said, Columbia can spot kind of like how Max Sharping can flip positions if needed. So can Columbia. Uh, I think it's pretty clear cut 
on the uh, inside linebacker spot, you know, who we've got there. And I don't think Dylan Cole gets unseated unless maybe next draft we go early and try to replace losing Kenny and, you know, somebody uh, steps up and beats Cole out for the second spot. What about you, Kenneth? Yeah, uh, Bernard McKinney is, is definitely one of my, my favorite players on this team. Uh, what a headhunter to watch, and he's, his tackling has improved every single uh, game. And, yeah, he's, I, I still remember seeing that within two hours of him getting his new contract, seeing him at a tattoo parlor, getting this massive tattoo on his leg, and I was like, okay, that's how you're going to spend your first dollars. That makes sense. Uh, so I have Bernard McKinney, Zach Cunningham, Dylan Cole, and then I do include Peter Kalambay only because I've seen him at outside linebacker in the preseason, and that gives me heebie-jeebies like nothing else. Um, he has played inside linebacker in the preseason and throughout some of the, the games, and that feels like more of a natural fit for him considering his just lack of speed. Um, and then I love Tyrell Adams. Uh, he's coming, and I mentioned it was either him or it was Kahale wearing on my 53, and unfortunately uh, – you know, with Dylan Cole being healthy and practicing, that Tyrell kind of gets the boot. Gotcha. Yeah, and I don't know. It's kind of one of the spots, too, where if something happens at inside linebacker to McKinney or Cunningham, like, I think that Houston's kind of screwed because they don't have Reader there. They have 46 run stops, which is the third most in the league. Um, I don't. I think their run defense is going to drop maybe to, like, to maybe good or, you know, probably even average this year. And uh, if something happens to one of those two guys, I could see this run defense like becoming below average based on everything else they have there. So it really is imperative that they not only make up for the defensive line, but they stay healthy. And uh, McKinney keeps turning the hole into a massacre, and Cunningham keeps out running slow guards and just delivering clean shots on running backs on the backside. Yeah, it's a great duo that that those two have come into, and uh, I really like Cole on this offense, uh, on this defense. Um, I credit him as the, the reason why we beat Kansas City during the regular season. Uh, he just completely shut down uh, Kelsey at the, at the tight end position and really allows the rest of the defense to play even man or play like a more of a comfortable zone in, in long distance, uh, long down situations. Um, so, yeah, this is my favorite group. I really enjoy this, uh, how this group has progressed. And it has really been like, you know, all an all draft group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not that big of a Cole fan. Like I, he's always hurt and I don't know, like I think he's made some splash plays and stuff, but I don't know. I'm not buying it. It's like when people got really excited about Mike Muhammad, like six years ago, it's like, I don't know. I just don't see a whole lot with him, you know? Oh, I love him. What do you think? Yeah. about Carlos? Um, I think he has been a little too injured for my liking. Uh, he's a great sub player for sure. Uh, you know, when he can stay healthy. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with him. I just don't see him as a starting, you know, a starting level player at the position. Yeah, I feel like I mean, for a, you know, an undrafted rookie free agent, this is as as much of a lottery ticket as you can get. Outside of, of course, Arian Foster, but you know, right. he was he, we didn't draft him. We don't owe him anything. But it's been great to see, you know, what we have been able to get out of him. Yeah, he's definitely like a great UDFA guy, and like somebody's been able to have a little bit of a career, which has been. Um, fun to see. And also, I'm already heartbroken that they're going to cut McKinney next year, trade him, and I don't know, find somebody like Anthony Hitchens to replace him next year, and uh, and not have it work as well because you can't pay two linebackers that much. You can't cover yeah. it all. Um, it does it like it works, and you have two rookie con- or like one guy paying the other guy a rookie contract, but 
this seemed to be the last year of McKinney probably. And I think he's my favorite player in the Texans defense. And it's going to be, uh, I just like the aesthetics of him. His like my chemical romance, eye black, the big like studded belts <laughs> on his shoulder pads, how big he is. And, and also just like the way he like takes on offensive linemen is stuff that like a defensive tackler or, or things that you want, like your defensive tackle or nose tackle to do also. Um, at cornerback, I have Keon Crossan, Gary and Conley, Lonnie Johnson, Jr. Jr., Vernon Hargraves, the third, John Reed and Bradley Roby. What do you have, Carlos? I have Roby, Conley, Lonnie Johnson, Vernon Hargraves, John Reeve, uh, John Reed, and I do have Philip Gaines as a last as a last entry. Yeah, I was stuck on those two. I went across him just because he was younger, but you know they kind of relied on Gaines in that first indie game last year, and then he had that. And he, I think he hurt his ankle, and we didn't see him for the rest of the season, but. He did start outside corner. You can't say the same thing for Crossin. And I just think Crossin's kind of like more of a special team score guy. So they uh, they may keep him just because of that. What about you, Kenneth? Yeah, like Gaines has kind of showed himself in in some punches. Uh, I he's a good player. Like he he's definitely shined in some moments. But I think with the addition of John Reed and every and all the good things that we've heard about him, it kind of pushes Philip Gaines and that necessity out uh, and pushes. Keon Cross and a guy who we know will be a special team hero in uh, this group. I feel I don't feel comfortable with it. You know, Vernon Hargraves. I don't even know how he's in the NFL. Uh, just kind of like a busted talent. Uh, he kind of gets beaten deep, and he has speed, but does not have a good way, to, good ability to track the ball. And Lonnie Johnson is definitely the biggest project of this entire team. Uh, him and I would say. Uh, May, yeah, him and Ross Blacklock. If they, if those two players have a great year, it would mean so much to this team. But if those two players don't do well, I could see you know there would be huge ramifications if Lonnie just can't can't take those steps. Yeah, but it's weird Lonnie too because they've already he already called himself a defensive back. He's already starting practice with the safeties, which I don't fully get because he's bad at the catch point um, and he doesn't tackle very well, you know. And it seems like they've already kind of they're like one foot out in the door of giving up on him at cornerback and. You know, he's always been a project. Even his, his tape at Kentucky was awful. And he was one of the worst cornerback one of the worst cornerbacks in football last year. And so like he's a project and even from him going to, you know, competent is still a long way to go. So I'm not expecting much from old Lonnie at cornerback until, you know, next season. And I mean, really like this entire pass defense, I think it just comes down to, you know, Watt staying healthy and them having a good enough pass rush to be able to I don't know, like even be a below average pass defense would be an enormous win. And it really is mind-boggling to me that this offseason, they made all the changes to the offense and then kind of like left this completely hit and didn't do much with it just because they're like, well, Walt was hurt last year and if he's healthy, we think it's going to be good when I uh, I don't think good is even like a, a possibility as of right now. Um, what about you, Carlos? Have you talked yourself into the secondary being like competent or good this season at all? I think last season was the floor. Right. I don't think we can get any worse with some of the problem guys. I think Roby's going to be consistent. You know, he may be a little bit better than he was last season. Um, specifically for me, it comes down to Lonnie. And I think he really couldn't have been worse last season. Uh, I know that a lot's been made about his workout videos and, you know, the working with the footwork king. It's all cool. Uh, 
NFL players typically work out in the off season, but you know, I guess that part even, is just even I work out in the off season. <laughs> I, I cannot say the same. You know, I've been flubbing around. Yeah, here. I have. I, man, I have not. So, uh, you know, I think with Lonnie, it's it's really going to come down to him. He's going to be the big difference maker in whether we look back at the secondary at the end of the season positively or negatively. Because um, I mean, even just being average would greatly help out the secondary. Just mm-hmm. Get a, just just be middle of the pack, and that's fine. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think they're, the best secondary configuration would be Lonnie and Gary and Kong on the outside and Roby in the slot. And uh, I just I think Lonnie's best spot would be like a cover three corner, you know, playing for the Chargers or Seattle or one of those really cover three heavy teams. But you know, just playing like like he, I mean, like even though he's big, he can't play press, you know. And uh, and if he shows even some semblance of being able to do that. Um, that's the only route I see me able to play man coverage will at all. So who knows? I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the the Gary and Conley stuff and and Lion Johnson making a big upgrade. I think you know Roby is a, a good cornerback, but not like a lockdown number one cornerback, which is fine. You know those things are really hard to come by. Um, but I really think this like whole thing, the whole pass even just comes down to you know JJ Watt and uh, and his health. You know. The fact that we have to mention a defensive lineman to qualify the, the quality of the, the cornerback room is terrifying. I feel like that's a bad omen. Yeah, especially a guy who's you know had three regular season-ending injuries the last four years, too, and is 31 years old. And, um, and I really think the season's going to come down to the offense scoring a lot of points and the defense letting Deshaun Watson down enough times where maybe they would, they would score enough points to be like an 11-1 team, but... They lose enough close game. They lose enough close games. They'd be like a nine-one team, though. Uh, so at safety, I have Justin Reed, Eric Murray, and then a slew of special teamers in Michael Thomas, Jalen Watkins, and AJ Moore. Uh, what do you have, Kenneth? So I have only four here. I have Justin Reed, Michael Thomas, AJ Moore, and Eric Murray. There's been a lot of hype about AJ Moore of late. Uh, apparently, his practices have been spectacular, which is really good to hear, especially after we let go of Tishon uh, Gibson which is a name that I am so glad we forgot. Him and Aaron Colvin uh, were just players that the Jaguars gave, uh, like gave Gibson away. Was, Gibson was good last year, though. Like, yeah, he was really was, good. Yeah, but, like, uh, I think there was like, a Colvin was awful, but Gibson was great last year. There were, when I was at the Chargers game, I remember Keenan Allen having a field day with Gibson. Now, granted, he wasn't being guarded by anyone, but there was, there was times where I was there, and, like, this is a problem. Uh, Gibson did play. I, I, there really isn't like a, a better reason that they got rid of Gibson. Uh, and they didn't really solve for anything. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely, this is my least favorite group of the entire thing. And I don't have Jalen Watkins making this roster. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think this is going to, I think also like that, that Allen game that was like Allen going against cornerbacks and Gibson playing single high and trying to chase back on post routes and stuff. Um, I, I think this roster, the safety group, though, means Justin Reed's going to play deep middle. And he's really good at it, but you're not going to see him in the box cleaning up and stuff as much. And I think Eric Murray's going to play strong safety, is, that, is what I think what this group kind of spells out. Even though like, Eric Murray should be a, a third safety on a defense, and I think he's going to start strong safety this season, though. Uh, what do you have, Carlos? I have Justin Reed, Eric Murray, Jalen Watkins, and Michael Thomas. Uh, I do see Reed playing free safety. Um, I think he's just the rangier guy out of the two. And I think Murray's going to be playing in the box and 
for how much we paid for him, he's guaranteed to see significant snaps. Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll see some bits of Michael Thomas burst in there. Uh, and Watkins, you know, uh, they'll they'll perform on special teams. But I do only have the four. I don't have five. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll see them at last year's team, too. Um, you know, Adai played a lot of snaps last year at the third safety position. And so I'm expecting either Michael Thomas or A.J. Moore to play a good amount of time at uh, at that spot, too, just coming in blitzing and coming in uh, on uh, on diamond nickel snaps, too. I do think Jalen Watkins is perfect for this defense because I watched him get torched by Travis Kelsey like two or three times last year, going back and watching a bunch of uh, Chargers games. And I can't think of a better a better fit for the Texans than somebody who gets torched by um, Kelsey as well, too. But I am I'm like Reed's a great deep middle defender. Like he's awesome at it, at it, but it is kind of a bummer that he can't play in more of a role where he has more of an impact on the game. But I just see that's how the defense is is kind of set up. Um, Kenneth, do you like this the fact that the Texans carry so many kind of like special team specific players, or do you think they'd be better off trying to have like you know more uh, more guys who are just kind of like an offensive guy or a pass rusher rather than having you know four or five players who are kind of like yeah this guy just it predominantly plays special teams and we have a top 10 special teams because of it. It's interesting because I I'm blanking on what the idiom is, but um, you know, I, I think it's like the grass is always greener. Do you remember, I think it was 2017 when we had the worst special teams I and mean, we, we were hideous and teams were, were getting punts and kickoff returns. And although those have kind of been minimized by some of the rule changes, it's in, like they, they are keeping players on the roster and making decisions for play for only, you know, three to four plays per game. And if they're able to make the statistics work where those three or four plays equate to more like a value than if they were, you know, making 15 plays during like, like as like a rotational player, then fine, like make that math work and you can be happy with yourself. But uh, it, it is frustrating because it doesn't allow us to bring in a rookie or two or, or a guy who needs some training uh, or does something very well in very particular role to like to be on the roster like we would never bring in like a Terrell Suggs to rush the passer eight times a game mm-hmm. yeah exactly and, and it I do think it kind of limits the ability to have like those bullpen pass rushers or guys who are only used in one specific way and have um, those kind of special purposes like that so for the fill the rest of the roster here for me I have John Weeks at long snapper Bear Baird at kicker and Brian Inger at punter uh, do y'all see any disagreements with that at all no, I I don't see anything. Um, who who was the other punter that we had before Anger? That was uh, uh was either his first or second year. Trevor, Trevor Daniel. Yeah, Trevor yeah. Daniel. He was better than Leckler was. I know. Yeah, I'm so upset about Trevor Daniel not being here. But Anger was in the best punters in the league last year, even though he wasn't very good all the time before it. So, on him. I'm glad that we at least have one year Trevor Daniel to push out Shane Leckler, and he was all sad and huffy and puffy about it. I mean, unless I'm glad it happened. Like, you know, Anger had a great year. Um, the special teams definitely took a step up. But, Carlos, like, how do you value this? And who do you see as the, the kick returner for this group? Well, I've got pretty much everything the same. Uh, although John Weeks should keep Shane Leckler in mind because you never want that young guy to come in and try to kick you out. They've got a little bit of fire under him. Um, in terms of kick returning, I think we're going to stick with DeAndre Carter. Um, I know. Ah, after, ah. I know. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is, is Matt on fire? What is happening? You know, I, I, I got I got caught with PTSD. Every time I think of him, I can just see the, the found footage camera in the Kansas City game. Just the, the spider cam, just zooming in on him, fumbling that ball. And that was, I think, like the second big play or the second special teams play that kind of uh, continued the Kansas City comeback that day. That was yeah. the first play I watched. Um, I, I was just getting back from Tahoe and listening to the game, and I, I come turn the TV on, and that is the first play I see. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he did that bunch last year as well, too. He dropped a lot of punts and kicks. Um, so it really does seem like for Saturday, whenever the cuts are made, the two kind of like most interesting things are, is Kahali Warren going to be on the roster? If they decide to trade somebody like, you know, Kenny Stills or Kiki Cutie, which I I think Cutie's uh, more of a possibility. And also, it's going to be bizarre, too, once all the cuts are made across the NFL because, you know, they have to get tested for COVID. They have to fly somewhere else. They have to, like, learn the playbook online. And then they probably won't have a chance to play until, you know, week two or even make an impact week three or so. So it'll be interesting, like, as teams kind of scramble around and fill up the holes once all these cuts are made. Um, so for listener questions, the first one we have here is from Rivers McCown. And he asked, uh, can you please give me an in-depth breakdown of where Anthony Chesley and Jonathan Owens stand for the practice squad DB spot? Thanks. And I think of all the questions that have ever been asked, and I've asked you, Kenneth, I think this one is uh, the one that you built up your entire life for. So are you able to answer this at all? I was about to say, please don't ask about those dumb secondary players. I, I know Cornell Armstrong. I know Philip Gaines. And I have no earthly idea about Jonathan Owens or Anthony Chesley. I wrote their names down just to make sure because I had a feeling that in this world there's a reality where you ask me this question, and I have no idea. Uh, I, I hope to God one of them turns into Tyron Matthew, but I, I couldn't tell you what they're, anything about them, unfortunately. I've let you down. <laughs> well, I know like, you know, you're Captain Rosterology, and uh, I know you pay a lot of attention to kind of like more of the fringes of the roster than I do. I do think Anthony Chesley isn't a real player, but he plays like uh, country music somewhere in Nashville, and he plays like a lot of like Kenny Chesley cover songs, though. Um, so I can I can certainly do my research, and now I've been I've been forced to. Uh, yeah, that's they are a little they aren't the North. They are uh, oh my god, I'm screwing up this Game of Thrones reference. They're beyond the wall. Uh, I do not know them. Good, all right, yeah, maybe you can write like. 500 words on Friday and make it Anthony Chesley or Jonathan Owens and and see who you like it all for. It would be like. fun to read. And um, drop like a Deshaun Watson photo just to get people to click. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to make the hyperlink. Uh, uh, Texans roster news: Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, and then make it uh, Anthony Chesley or Jonathan Owens, and that's how you do it. It's so funny. Um, so the next question is from. Upper Texan, he asks, what do you think camp star Lestar Jean is doing right now? And, you know, I hope he's having a beautiful life. And like, I hope him and Andre Howe are just, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere. I don't know. I hope they're like, you know, like they're hiking the PCT or something right now. Just something beautiful and open and enjoying the end of their NFL careers and, and really taking it in. But I'm sure like Lestar Jean's probably playing seven on seven football and just crushing it right now. But then as soon as it hits September, he can't catch a pass anymore after that. I wonder where um, I was about to say Danny Trevathan. Wrong name. Uh, wow, I'm blanking on what I, the joke I was about to make. Oh, Braxton Miller. I wonder what Braxton Miller's up to. Maybe he's hanging out with them also. Yeah. 
I think Braxton Miller is gonna be season. great in Canada one day. He'll win a he'll win a, a Grey Cup MVP like Devier Posey did. Oh, we we quit on Devier Posey too quickly. Yeah, he had that one catch in the against New England, the blowout loss. Um, it's a I don't know I don't know where he's up to. I'm trying to see where he's at. Uh, but yeah, he had that one catch though, and that was kind of fun. So we had another question from Lurch67. He said O line depth. Who makes the cut? And so we all pretty much agreed, except for the the Brett Cavale thing that Carlos had, that we we're going to be seeing Nick Martin, Greg Manx, Zach Fulton, Max Sharping, Sino Calamente, Larry Tensel, Tyus Howard, Robert, and I know Carlos then Robert Johnson. We all had Charlie Heck. So either Robert Johnson or Cavale, I think we were kind of clear on uh, what's going to happen there. And then at Texans Thoughts asked, who starts the outside linebacker across from Whitney Merciless? P.S. There's only one answer. Carlos, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, about Jacob Martin tonight? When I'm answering Jordan, I'm going to say that, of course, it's Jacob Martin. It's always going to be Jacob Martin. I mean, he is the future of the he is the cornerstone. When people talk about Sean Watson being the cornerstone of this franchise, they're wrong. It's Jacob Martin. And he's going to go on to have this ridiculous Hall of Fame career. He's going to make every Pro Bowl till age 45 and he's going to retire not because he's too old or that he's tired it's because the league just wants a little bit of fairness i like that it's very cute i i uh, i like how he's become like a josh allen sort of figure like you know the jaguars figure where he's like a foundational cornerstone for the next great jaguars defense and uh martin's part of the same thing uh the next question is from at smooth grandma he had two questions one do we deserve to have a winning team this year? Uh, Kenneth, do, they, do we deserve to have a winning Houston oh. team this year after all the trades and everything else? Oh. Oh. How do I look into the mirror and tell myself that I'm not pretty? Because uh, I am. Um, no, we don't. We don't deserve a winning team at all. You, you don't get away with trading what we have traded and what we have given to... And, and have this have this team. I can't even speak because it's so frustrating. Like going back to that whole, you know, the Jadavion Clowney trade. You know, two thirds of that is is just bull, like BS. And the DeAndre Hopkins trade makes even less sense. The amount that we had to give up for Deshaun Watson still haunts us, even though it's Deshaun Watson. And then everything that we had to give up for Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil. It's mind-boggling. I don't even want to think about what they're about to do in the next week because something's going to happen. Yeah, last year was the the same weekend that's coming up. Last year was the Laramie Tunstall trade and the J.A. Van Klein trade at the exact same day, so I wonder what they'll pull off this year. I, I mean, I kind of operate from the fact that nobody deserves anything at all, and uh, every day is a blessing. You should enjoy uh, God's life as much as possible. Uh, but that being said, like it's weird with Houston. They keep making these absurd decisions and you'd expect that it comes back on them eventually and it's always kind of like kind of sort of worked out but at the same time it's hindered like the overall you know ceiling on the team and um this kind of stopped their inability to being something more than you know a, a divisional round afterthought what about you carlos do you think we deserve a good texans team this year in my heart of hearts it's almost like i don't know like survivor guilt or like you're in a you're plane the last crash. Last in a plane crash. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Great. Make all these terrible decisions just to try to survive, and you know, <laughs> you come out of it just feeling bad about everything. I I feel like we don't deserve to be a winning team, but 
I think we uh, we will end up being a winning team, but we'll have our heart broken at some point during the season. Yeah, it's never it never ends well for us. Um, the other question from Smooth Grandma was, "What are y'all's thoughts about the super optimism of Texans Twitter?" And you know, personally, like I don't know, I I guess I start riding like sometime in thirteen, but going into fourteen, you know, that season when they went two and fourteen, like I convinced myself just like riding, you know, a ton that summer. I convinced myself Matt Schaub was injured. And uh, that's why he got worse. It wasn't because he was just losing his arm strength and a whole wide variety of things. And I thought Brian Cushing coming back from injury is going to have enormous impact on the defense and all this sort of stuff. And uh, it turns out none of it was right. And I was very wrong about all of it. And so I, ever since that 14 season, like I have had a, a black spot in my heart where it's hard. For, like I get I think hypercritical on things that don't necessarily matter about the win loss record at the end of it. And I think Bill O'Brien has also been able to craft some like bizarre, you know, winning team in some sense of it too, that it, it's kind of like an outlier compared to the rest of the NFL. But that being said, like I, I love the optimism on the internet for it and it's beautiful. And I wish my heart was still that, that pure and perfect, but it no longer is after that 2014 season. And instead I'm, you know, a dark heart curmudgeon, uh, you know, tar in my aortas and my, my venture season instead. So I, I love it, but it's not it's not something like I can rationally come up with it all anymore. Uh, what about you, Carlos? Do you like the optimism of yeah you see every time you log on to Twitter.com? I think every time I log on to Twitter, there's two camps, right? There's the optimists, and then there's us. <laughs> I think it's uh you know <laughs> just maybe have a little bit of a darker, more jaded view on things. Which I mean, I think there's there's a balance there, right? Like sometimes the optimism is warranted and it's feel good. And I read it sometimes and I'm like, yeah, I like that. Uh, but other times when you really just set everything aside and you start looking at things, it's like, okay, this is, uh, this isn't quite as rosy as I'd hope. Um, but I don't think it's such a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing when people start going out and, you know, saying other people are wrong or, you know, they're, this or that for not feeling the same way, I think, you know, that's where it becomes an issue. But for the most part, I don't feel bad about, you know, about optimism. It's it's great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm the best way to describe it, like the way we operate is that like whenever I try writing about Houston, I'm not trying to look at from Houston being good or bad. I just watch and watch the entirety of the NFL as well to have a general like, you know, reference point to go back to. And then just kind of look at the numbers and watch the video. And this is what I see and what I think because of it. And like, of course, I want the Texans to win every football game. But like, you know, whatever I do, whenever it comes to riding and thinking about this team in some sort of, you know, critical manner, pass, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. And that's what I think whenever I come up with the stuff I ride. It's not like, I wouldn't call it pessimism or anything like that. But I can't watch, uh, I can't watch Dick and Martin and like see issues where he doesn't have an answer and tackles with their hands on him. And just be like, oh, but these flashes are so great that if he plays, you know, three times as many snaps, he's going to have 15 sacks, you know. And that's, I guess, kind of the difference between the two. Or I can't watch, um, I can't watch like, you know, McKinney and Cunningham and watch Cunningham get beat by, you know, McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Eckler and whoever else. And be like, yeah, he's a good man coverage, you know, linebacker when he isn't. And so is that kind of like, I guess, dif- difference or whatever for it. But it's all, I guess, kind of part of the fun of riding. And uh, the last thing we had tonight was from at found of Houston sports. And he asked about Fournette joining the Bucks. And so it's Fournette, Arians, Brady, Goblin, Gronk, Evans, 
and uh, and OJ Howard and Cameron Bray all on the same team. And I can't wait to just it turn into Tom Brady giving Evans an eight, eight uh, average step to target next year because he's just going to be throwing slants and quick outs. And it's going to be nauseating to watch. And I still wish Jameis Winston was quarterback over there. What a Frankenstein franchise right now. I mean, they have pulled players from every which way. You know, Tom Brady is, is I don't even know how he's still playing. You know, Gronkowski comes out of retirement. Leonard Fournette just falls into their lap. And they have, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin just sitting on the edge. Like, what is that team? Like, how did that just happen? And what, like, is Tampa Bay, like, what just made Tampa Bay so pretty and so fun to go to? I mean, yes, Tom Brady, but, like, why did Tom Brady do it? I, I'm so glad that's in the NFC East and like or NFC South. We don't have to deal with it this year. Like that is not a problem. That's going to be such a fun franchise to watch. Like I, I'm going to root for them just to cause chaos. Yeah, I'm not. I I wish Jameis was still there because Jameis least throw the ball downfield, and I'm not expecting Tom to do a lot of that. I'm sure they're going to be good, and it's all going to be they're going to be good and all that. But it won't be as much fun as if Jameis was there, though. Um, but of course I, I'm very, I'm very sick, you know, when it comes to some of the stuff I like in football. Uh, and the last thing I want to say tonight before we end the show is happy birthday to BFD. Uh, you'll see him at, you know, like a Luby's drooling, uh, probably sometime this summer, this fall, as you, as you drive around his area. And of course, you know, his area is the entire world because he's such a, a grand expansive personality, but, um, that's our show for tonight. The Texans have their 55 man roster projection. Or not the projection, but they're going to have the the cuts up this Saturday morning, and I'm sure Kenneth will have his last rosterology sometime this week, and we'll have plenty of other stuff to to be published on the website for you to read as well too. Get excited! Yeah, yeah, it's almost here. Um, do you guys have anything else at all before we end tonight's show? I had one thing about uh, Fournette going to the Bucks, mostly that it kind of seems like. They're getting together a uh, gang of characters in like a heist movie where like Bruce Arians is the dude in the van. Brady's like the Clooney-esque ringleader, you know, Fournette and Gronk are the muscle and that whole thing. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to see how that experiment works out. Yeah, I like that. And they, yeah. And they had like the best run defense in football last year, too, uh, which we saw whenever Houston ran the ball like 45 times against them. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. But I just like I like the ball going far down the field, and Tom Mosley doesn't doesn't really do that all anymore. You know he's cold and calm and efficient, and his plastic and uh, his filled plastic surgery and and short, quick little you know perfected passes. But uh, anyways, that's our show for tonight. We'll be back on later this week with NFC predictions for your Labor Day weekend, and then after that it's going to be you know a lot of football hopefully, and uh, and we'll be here talking every week, but. Until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Battle Red Radio. Thank you for being on tonight, Kenneth. And uh, thanks for talking to us, Carlos. No problem. Thank you.